We come now to our sixth message from Daniel in this series entitled, What I Wish for You, What I Wish for You. And uh, we have discovered that about 600 years before Christ, a group of people, in fact, thousands of people from the Holy Land were taken into captivity by the Babylonian Empire. They were hauled away as prisoners, and basically they were referred to as, as captives. And one of those individuals that was taken away from his homeland was Daniel, who was quite young when the, uh, the attacks on Jerusalem and the Holy Land happened. Daniel and others were taken away, and it turned out that Daniel was uh, basically forced to work for the government, to work for the king in the palace, and the probability is initially he had a lot of menial jobs. As time progressed, it was seen that Daniel was a very competent, gifted individual, and uh, Government authorities entrusted him with more and more responsibility. The problem was he became so good at what he did that a lot of the other government people got jealous and upset with uh, the progress that they saw in his life. They were disturbed with how he just seemed to excel in everything and, and uh, jealousy set in to the point where some of the other government officials basically planned a way to get rid of him. And what they did is they went to the king and, and said, oh, king, king, you are so wonderful and so marvelous, and everyone, everyone should pray only to you, at least for a month. Everyone should only pray to you, and they shouldn't pray to any other god, nor should they pray to any other person, but only to you. And uh, as the Bible here says, Darius the Mede, King Darius was talked into, uh, he was manipulated, and he was talked into instituting a law that basically said everyone in Babylon and beyond had to pray only to him or they would be killed. And uh, verse 13 in Daniel 6 says, they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. And sadly, because of the way their rules and regulations operated, the king had to give the order for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den, a room with hungry, ferocious lions. And the king did not want to do that, but he had made this crazy law and had no choice. And so, in fact, the king, the Bible says, looked for ways to, to uh, prevent, to stop this act of throwing him into the lion's den from happening. But uh, he had to do what he had to do. And then 
And then a little bit later in the, in the story, the good, news, the good news is, verse 19 says, Very early the next morning the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Verse 23, The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. And that's a little summary, a little summary of what happened in Daniel at this stage in his life, this stage in his journey. And we've been learning a great number of beautiful truths from Daniel's life. And the first truth I want to bring to your attention today from Daniel chapter 6 is this. I wish... I wish you would make the most of the situation you find yourself in. I wish you and I, all of us, would make the most of the situation that we find ourselves in. And this comes from the whole chapter of, well, Daniel 6 and the whole story of Daniel. Daniel made the most of the situation he found himself in. Think about this. Think about it. Daniel had been a Jewish young man when uh, he, along with many others, as I said, from Jerusalem, were taken as captives or prisoners back to Babylon when Babylon attacked and invaded the Jewish nation. It was very unfortunate that Daniel and many others were taken away into that Babylonian captivity. A minister by the name of Randall Smith says this. He says, he could have, Daniel could have sat in the corner and decided that life dealt him a bad blow. Life dealt him a bad hand and therefore he would pout and be soured. Daniel could have done that. His heart would have made him unusable to God if that were the case. And then he goes on and says, Daniel distinguished himself in a bad place. Think about this. Daniel distinguished himself in a bad place surrounded by some bad people. You got that? And so the question is, are you making the most of the situation you find yourself in? Are you making the most of whatever situation you're in? Sometimes, sometimes, for instance, people will think or say things like, well, well, if only, if only I didn't come from such a dysfunctional family, right? If only I had a better father and or a better mother when I was growing up. If only kids had not, had not uh, been prejudiced towards me when I was going through public school and high school. If only my teachers had understood me better. 
If only I had found the right job. If only I was, if only I was married and had children. Or if only I was not married and didn't have children. Right? I hope you noticed I, I looked to this side of the sanctuary, not, not to the side where my wife is seated when I said that. Okay? If, if only, if only I was not divorced. If only I hadn't gotten all those speeding tickets. None of you here would, it wouldn't apply to any of you, of course. But if only, if only I hadn't committed that crime. If only I had the beauty of uh, so-and-so. You can fill in the name. If only I lived in a place where it's 20 to 25 degrees centigrade all year long. Then you just have to fight off the mosquitoes, that's all. If only I could play basketball like, which basketball star? I heard a bunch of, whole bunch of names there. If only I could play hockey or soccer like, you can fill in the name. I was hoping one of you would say, if only you could play hockey like Pastor Nick used to be able to play hockey. Just for your information, once upon a time I played on Maple Leaf Gardens. <laughs> That's where the Leafs used to play before the new arena was built. I think I was in grade five or six when I played there. I scored the only goal for our team. We lost three to one. <laughs> yeah. All right. I know that was really important information for you. <laughs> All right. If only, if only, if only I could preach like Dr. Lisa Autar. Amen. Amen. If only I could sing, if only I could sing like whomever. If only I wasn't so young. And others are thinking, if only I wasn't so old. <laughs> right? Yesterday morning, yesterday morning, we, we had a, a wonderful men's breakfast uh, Thank you, thank you, Mr. Ray and Men's Committee for planning such a wonderful breakfast, a wonderful fellowship time for the group of men. It was a marvelous time together. And at this breakfast, we had, a, after the meal, we had a devotional. We watched an excellent devotional. Uh, it was a video on prayer by Pastor Max Lucado. Max Lucado. Now, he, some of you know him, some of you have read his books, others of you probably don't know him, but he has an incredible gift for painting word pictures. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he spends hours coming up with these word pictures or if it just flows out of his mouth, but I have to spend a lot of time trying to paint word pictures. He just does it so beautifully. And as I listened, as I listened to him, I said to myself, I said, boy, if only I could, I could paint word pictures like Pastor Max Lucado, you know? Now, what I thought... What came to my mind was not wrong. It wasn't sinful. At the same time, at the same time, you and I have to be careful not to get caught up with if only this or if only that. Is that correct? 
If only this or, or only that. My friends, the point is this. Make the most of the situation you find yourself in. God has made and has gifted you to be the beautiful person that you are. Did you get that? God has made and has gifted you to be the beautiful person that you are. Make the most of the gifts and the abilities God has given you and, and make the most of the situation you find yourself in. Amen? Amen? This is one of the beautiful truths that comes to my mind when I think of Daniel. And when you think of whatever your situation is, think of Daniel and say, Lord, he inspires me to truly make the most of whatever situation I'm in, just as he did. Amen. Let me take you to a second beautiful truth. And it is this. When we read it together, if we have it on the screen here. Okay, let me just uh, state it for you. Here we are. Read it together. I wish for you to know that when you are an honest, faithful, and diligent employee, God will honor and bless you. He will honor and bless you. Now this truth comes out throughout the story of Daniel, but we especially see it at the start here in the first three verses. In the first three verses, we read the following. All right? Let's uh, read it in unison from the big screen. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And then when we move down to verse 22, we read, my God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. I, I quote this verse because it just reminds us of, of his honesty, his faithfulness, his innocence, and God is honoring him for this. And then verse 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel prospered during their reigns. Now because Daniel was a Jewish, originally a Jewish prisoner, a captive in Babylon, and he is referred to in verse 13 as one of the captives from Judah, Daniel, as I mentioned earlier, was, was most likely initially given some of, the, uh, some of the dirtiest and worst jobs in the king's palace and government. He probably had to clean the outhouses and things like that. 
Both the king, however, both the king and the Lord saw the beautiful heart and hard work and excellent work of Daniel. And as the Bible says, he was repeatedly promoted. Verse 3, because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, my friends, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that when every Christian, when every Christian is, is honest and faithful and uh, a diligent employee, that you are going to become the next president of the company that you work for, okay? Sometimes you may not want to be president. It comes with a lot of heartaches and headaches than most people realize, okay? I do believe, however, I do believe that God will honor and bless you in various ways, often ways you never thought of. The Lord works in beautiful and mysterious ways in which he, uh, he, he, he honors and blesses his people for your faithfulness, uh, for your diligence, for your honesty, for going the second mile. Here's a true story that I think will encourage you. I think, I think it's the first time this week that I actually read this story. I was not aware of this before. Some years ago, an elderly man and his wife arrived by train in the city of Chicago. It was a very stormy night, and their train had been delayed a lot. It was after midnight when they finally arrived at a downtown hotel where they hoped there was a vacancy. The young clerk on duty that night was named George Bolt, B as in beautiful O-L-D-T. So the clerk on duty at the front desk was George Bolt, and George explained to this gentleman and his wife that because there were three different conventions in town, sadly their hotel was full, but he was glad to call around to call as many hotels as he could and check with the other operators to see who had a room. After making many calls, it was clear that there were no empty hotel rooms to be found anywhere in Chicago. The young front desk clerk said to the couple, he said this, I can't send a nice couple like you out into the rain on a night like this. Would you be willing to sleep in my room? Would you be willing to sleep in my little room in the basement? He said, it's not large, but it's clean, and I don't need it tonight because I'm on duty. I'm at the front desk here, as you can see. Well, this couple gladly accepted his offer. And the next morning, the man and his wife tried to pay the front desk clerk as they were checking out. They tried to pay George for the use of his room, 
but the young clerk refused to take any money. Then the man said to George Bolt, the front desk clerk, this guest said, you are the kind of man who ought to be the boss, who ought to be the boss of the best hotel in America. And he said to him, maybe, maybe one day I'll build a hotel for you to manage. The young clerk smiled, didn't think much about it, and he, and he said, sir, I was, I was just glad to be of service to you and your wife. Well, Pastor Lisa, several years later, George Bolt, the front desk clerk, received a letter, you see, received a letter with a train ticket to New York City. The letter and train ticket were from the man that, uh, that he had given his own little basement room to stay in that rainy night a few years earlier. Young George Bolt went to New York City. The old gentleman took him, took him to the corner of Fifth Avenue and 54th Street in Manhattan and, uh, and said, and said to him, this is the hotel I have built for you to manage. And George stared at the beautiful brand new luxury hotel. George stared in awe and said, are, 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 are you, are you, are you, are you joking? It was no joke. It was no joke. The old man's name was William Waldorf Astor. And that's how George Bolt became the first manager of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. One of the greatest and fanciest hotels ever built in the world. If you go to New York City, George's portrait is hanging in the hotel lobby, a tribute to the front desk clerk who showed integrity, went the second mile on a dark, rainy night, was noticed by William Waldorf Astor, who asked George to become the first manager of one of the world's greatest hotels. George Bolt was an extra mile person on the job, just like, just like Daniel, just like Daniel went the extra mile working, serving King Darius and his staff. My friends, when you are an honest, faithful, and diligent employee, God will honor and bless you. Amen? Go ahead. God will honor and bless you. You might say, how, when, and where? 
Leave it up to the Lord. Amen? Leave it up to the Lord. Have some of you maybe stayed at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel? There's some of you who visit, or you, some of you have visited there in New York many times. Believe it or not, I still have not gone to New York. Oh, wait a minute. I, I was down for a funeral briefly for one evening, I think it was. Yeah. All right, moving along. Number three. I wish for you to believe that God is able to help you in difficult or impossible situations. Let's just review how God helped Daniel. If you look at verse 16 through 23, essentially, essentially we are told that, uh, that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. They were very hungry lions. They were ready to tear apart, to rip apart any person who entered their room, their den. But the Bible tells us the night went on and in the morning, in the morning, Daniel was still alive. And when the king, when the king basically said, Daniel, has your God protected you? Has your God saved you? He said, oh yes, king. Yes, I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly fine because the Lord saved him. The Lord delivered him. The Lord watched over him. My friends, the good news is none of us here, here will likely ever be thrown into a den of lions unless you happen to be one of those people who if you go to some zoo somewhere, you just can't help but climb in where the animals are. And sometimes we hear of some of these crazy things. But the, the reality is none of us here will uh, find ourselves in the kind of lion's den that Daniel was in. However, however, our den of lions experience shows up in so many different ways, doesn't it? Sometimes, sometimes our difficulty or impossible situation is a, a health crisis, as some of our people have faced even this past week, and some of you are facing. Sometimes our difficulty or impossible situation is a family crisis, a financial matter, a work situation, a legal heartache, uh, a court case. Sometimes it's a, it's a person who is a, a pain and a problem and never seems to go away, right? But the good news is, God, whatever den of lions we find ourselves in, the good news is God is able to, to help you and me in difficult and impossible situations. And we have, we have reminders throughout the Bible, such as when the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now all glory to God, 
who is able, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Isn't that beautiful? Who, who, uh, who through his mighty power at work within us is, is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen, says the apostle. Amen. So my friends, be encouraged and take heart for the good news, the wonderful news, that God is able to help you and me in difficult and impossible situations. Think upon whatever your situation might be. Think about it, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's in the community where you live. God is able to help. And you and I have a responsibility to as well pray. To pray, of course, for our immediate family members, for our church family, but to also pray for people outside of our local church and local family situation. To pray, for example, for Haiti, where there's been terrible, terrible things. There have been terrible things happening over the last uh, number of weeks. And some of you are closely connected to family members and people in Haiti. And, and sometimes when we hear of riots and disorder, we just wonder what in the world can be done. And you and I have to pray and say, God, you are able to help in this very difficult an impossible situation. Amen? Amen. And now I want to take you to a fourth, a fourth truth, and it is this. Read it out loud with me from the big screen. Be faithful to God so he can use you to make an impact on others. I want you to notice just try to let this really sink in, would you? I want you to notice the kind of impact Daniel had. Who would have thought? Who would have thought when he was taken as a prisoner into this foreign land of Babylon? Who would have thought that this dear man would ever have this kind of an impact? Look at this, starting at verse 25. This is after, after Daniel is delivered out of the lion's den. Verse 25 says, Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. The message was, Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Daniel's life, Daniel's witness, Daniel's testimony, Daniel's perseverance, Daniel's, Daniel's love 
impacted this king. And then he goes on in verse 26, and he says, For he is, he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That is the kind of impact, that is the kind of impact Daniel had upon the king. In his book titled, When God Whispers Your Name, Max Lucado tells the story of John Eglin, E-G-G-L-E-N. He tells the story of John Eglin who had never preached a sermon in his life before a Sunday morning service when it snowed very, very badly on that day, and the regular pastor wasn't able to get to the church. Some of the roads were impassable, and the pastor was not able to get to church. John Eglin was a a leader in the church, and in fact, he was the only leader to show up on that snowy day. John was not a preacher, but he was faithful. He was faithful, and there was a need for someone to try to bring a Bible message of some kind with very little preparation time. John did his best And at the end of his message, one young man invited Jesus into his heart. One young man present that morning on that snowy, snowy, terrible weather day, one young man committed his heart to the Lord. No one there could appreciate the significance of what had taken place that morning. No one at that point would have known what an incredible thing just happened. The young man who accepted Christ that snowy Sunday morning was none other than Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the man who has often been called the Prince of Preachers. Now, most of you would not know Reverend Spurgeon, but Charles Haddon Spurgeon had been one of the greatest, has been one of the greatest preachers in the past 200 years. God blessed his preaching, and and when he was still less than 30 years old, he became the pastor of London's Metropolitan Tabernacle in England. 
His sermons were so powerful that although the sanctuary could hold 5,000 people, the crowds who came to hear the messages were so large that the people lined up outside trying to hear his sermons, trying to squeeze into the sanctuary, if at all possible. Reverend Spurgeon's amazing life of faith all started, it all started on a cold, snowy, bitter Sunday morning with the faithfulness of a humble church leader who said, use me, Lord, who said, help me to impact someone's life today on this snowy Sunday. My friends, whether it was that church leader doing his best for the Lord on that surprised, surprising Sunday, whether it's you or you or you up in the balcony or you on this side of the sanctuary, whether it's you, radio and internet listeners, be faithful to God so he can use you to make an impact on others. It's very probable that neither I nor you will make the impact on someone who will be a Charles Haddon Spurgeon. But that's okay. God is concerned about faithfulness. And, and through his spirit, he brings about fruitfulness. Be faithful and count upon God to help you to make an impact on others for his honor, for his glory. Amen? God has gifted you. He has imparted to you a variety of gifts and abilities. Allow him to use you, your gifts, to use your beautiful heart, your beautiful spirit, to be a blessing, to impact others, to share the love of Jesus, and to help others come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what I wish for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the many ways in which you inspire us through Daniel. Thank you, dear Lord, for what we discover from his life. I am certainly very encouraged and very inspired by Daniel. And may you do likewise with each listener here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. May you inspire our, our radio listeners and internet listeners and viewers, O oh God. How good it is to know that we're important to you, that you 
are the one who can help us to make the most of whatever situation we find ourselves in. And you can use us to be a blessing and to make an impact upon others. Do so, dear Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.